What is up, everybody, and welcome to episode six of Spoilers Only with me, Inea. And me, Becca. And today on this episode, we are going to be talking about disaster movies. Movies with disasters and worldwide devastation. An excellent topic for us today. A very excellent topic, and I have lots of thoughts. I know we have done a few rewatches of some classic movies, so I'm yes, really excited to get into this discussion. That's true. <laughs> I thought about that afterwards, though. Like, I watched one that had a lot of explosions, and I didn't realize how that would affect me. Also, watching it at 11.30 at night is not helpful either. That Watching these movies with, like, the world pretty much being destroyed at 3 o'clock in the morning. I've seen a lot of people die. Um, yeah. I'm doing okay. <laughs> yeah, you would think that it's still horror movies that mess people up. But no, it's me watching, you know, people try to fight weather and stuff. It's... I'm a chicken. Still, I'm, I'm just... I'm saying that now. I'm a chicken. I know. Okay. So something that I've noticed with disaster movies the past few decades is that they can be sort of synonymous with having low (laughs) ratings or low Rotten Tomato scores no matter the size of the budget or who's in it. They could have like super, super famous Oscar winning A-list actors and actresses and it'll still just get low a low rating or a low review on Rotten Tomatoes or by any other critics. So Do you have any opinions or any thoughts on why you think disaster movies sort of always end up with a low rating? Um, I don't have too, too much to say about that, considering the fact that I found out that fact uh, about 20 minutes ago. So, um, my best guess would probably be that, like, disaster movies isn't really a desirable genre. Like, everybody loves comedy movies or like horror movies but no one's really looking to see like disaster movies as much as you know what we maybe used to want to seen. i think maybe like post-apocalyptic movies and stuff like that just aren't really what the people are asking for but that doesn't really matter probably because i know that after you told me that a minute ago, I looked up Independence Day, which is, you know, phenomenal movie, had only like a like a 60-something percent on Rotten Tomatoes, like maybe like a 50. So you would think that it, you know, would get a higher rating, but as famous and well-known as it is, it only has like a 60-something percent. So I really don't know. And it's an older movie, so I I can't really say it's not what people want now. Yeah, and I think, like, also I think certain disaster movies, especially those that focus heavily on um, a virus or a pandemic and also something with weather, um, those are some things that we've all had to go through the past few years, Um, especially a movie like Contagion comes to mind which contagion came out i believe in 2011 and it has a 85 percent on rotten tomatoes so it's it's pretty widely regarded as like a pretty good movie um but i actually re-watched that at the beginning of the covid19 pandemic and 
it, there was a lot of similarities between things that happened in that movie and kind of what we were going through now. And it was sort of like life imitating art. And I think also with like certain weather disaster movies, somebody who's possibly been through a terrible flood or earthquake or something, you know, it could just leave a bad taste in their mouth. And that's probably not something that a lot of people are interested in. But overall, I think something that can always redeem like a disaster film are the visual effects. But I've always noticed in certain ones, or at least the ones that I've decided to watch, the dialogue just loses me. And like, it can be sometimes cringy and just kind of weird at times. I think that's any movie, honestly, where the dialogue is just absolute cringe and unrealistic and not witty or like engaging at all. So, yeah, it's almost like as if some writers forget how people interact when they're writing a movie. Like you talk Mm -hmm. to people all day, that's your job. And all of a sudden you don't know how people like just communicate casually. So what would you say is like your favorite type of disaster movie? Like weather, zombie, uh, so like weather, disease, zombie flick, um, alien, or I can't think of the other ones, but yeah, proceed. Um, I would say out of those. I would probably have to go with um, either like zombie or disease. Um, I feel like weather for me, because I've been through some crazy weather events and it can be a touchy subject for me. Like, it's just not always fun to rewatch that, you know. Um, But when it comes to like disease and zombie movies, because some of those go together for me, like ones that come to mind are like the 28 days, 28 weeks franchise. Um, There might even have been a 28, 28 days later, 28 weeks later, and possibly 28 months later, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah. I thought those were like really good, especially 28 days later. It had like a good amount of gore to the point where it didn't really scare you, but the story like really keeps you involved in it. And I think with zombie movies like, um, you know, Zombieland is more of like a comedic one, but it's, I mean, it's very good. Um, uh, Dawn, is it Dawn of the Dead? Is that the one from 2004? I think it's Dawn of the Dead. Um, there's like a there's like a lot of good zombie movies out there that I think I think there's some zombie movies that mm. can really overdo it when it comes to, like, gore and blood and, like, guts and all that sort of nasty stuff. But, uh, you know, there's move, there's zombie movies that have a really good story where the gore and kind of stuff just goes over your head and you can actually follow what goes on with these characters. <laughs> and that's what I also thought about Contagion, which would fit into more of a, like, a disease type of movie. Um, the characters and just the storyline in that, you know, it didn't really have a dull moment. Every piece and every scene really connected with one another. And you see how, like, all the characters sort of intersect because of how this virus is spreading. And it just, it seems like such a well-thought-out and written movie. And it seems like real dialogue, like how you were saying a few a few moments ago. Certain writers can, like, forget 
how people talk and that always puts movies up on my list is if it just looks natural and like just like correct like that looks like how people talk that looks like how humans like interact so to answer your question yeah i definitely say like disease and zombie i've never really been too big of a fan of any kind of alien movies and not really um weather you know i've watched my fair share of weather movies um but it's just not my favorite because i do get freaked out by it i for one really probably favorite like alien movies or something with some sort of monster because it feels like with those movies there can be a resolution and like a main plot and the plot is not to just survive and i get like i don't know those those movies where the main objective is just to survive rather than to defeat stress me out a lot mm-hmm. so when i'm watching the movie i don't want to be stressed it's the opposite of what i want to be so um but i was very tense watching these movies so that was not very productive for me um but yeah so like movies like Independence Day, Cloverfield, you know, they're although Cloverfield, um, <laughs> you know, they weren't trying to defeat. They were trying to, you know, escape to survive. So mm-hmm. that is a little contradictory of me to say. However, if the movie was from like a different perspective, it very well could have been a defeat storyline rather than survive. Just like the main objective being to defend and defeat rather than to like, oh no, there's a tornado behind us. We must run. Mm-hmm. Zombie movies are also very good. I do and with, enjoy like the Resident Evil movies growing up. Yeah, with um, how you had just said like tornado, like the movie Twister always comes to mind from like 96. And I, I'm pretty sure that that has like a pretty good score. Um, like Rotten Tomatoes and like good critic reviews. But like Twister was one of those movies that always freaked me out. Even before I actually lived through a tornado, I always just found it terrifying to sit in a theater or sit at home or wherever and watch people running from the storm. And it had comedic moments and it had, you know, some more lighter moments. But the real plot of the movie is storm chasers and there's this giant twister and I can clearly remember this scene where like the main actress is like trying to hold on to like something in the ground so that she doesn't get sucked up in the tornado and I'm like yeah that's not fun I don't yeah I totally agree. I don't Those that's not fun <laughs> yeah so you can outrun like a creature but you can't outrun the sky so it'd be a little impossible mm-hmm. to try to outrun a storm yeah unless you're like flash mixed with Usain Bolt or something then props <laughs> to you but think about the rest of us anyway mm-hmm. while we are on the topic of zombie movies well we were on the topic of zombie movies um I wanted to talk about um a movie that I watched last night Train to Busan which, by the way, do not watch that movie. <laughs> I I think I'm just a crybaby because I 
sobbed so hard in the end of that movie. Mm-hmm. It was, it was hard to watch. Um, you think that they're gonna get like this, this somewhat of a good ending, just like this, the tiniest semblance of a good ending, yeah. but no. Everybody dies, mm-hmm. basically. And the only people are left is a pregnant woman and a daughter. I mean, and the guy's daughter who's not even, like, it's a pregnant woman. Her husband dies trying to save everybody else, which I loved that. I I loved him. He was a fighter. Man was, like, punching people. He was punching zombies in the face. That's, that is ballsy to do. This guy is just, like, punching zombies in the face. I would never. And then he it gets he it gets to him. He dies, unfortunately. I remember when that movie came out, I watched it. I'm pretty I'm pretty sure it's on Netflix, so I have seen it before. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, I I did cry because I'm not one to shy away from crying at movies. Like if I'm watching something no and it just starts, it just it's just gonna happen. It's just gonna go ahead and happen. But you know, I did hear that they were making a Another one. I heard that I they hope. were making a second one. I'm not sure if it came out yet. I don't think I remember them talking about they wanted like an American version of Train to Be Son, and it did. I mm-hmm. I really hope not because I think the movie was good as a standalone movie. It was a like a really good standalone film. I think all the characters, you know, were really good. The actors were phenomenal. The storyline solid. However. I don't think that I'd need to see a remake of it. Especially, you know, in Western media, because they're going to change it. Because mm-hmm. a lot of movies in Hollywood right now are the same. But this movie, it felt, it was different from what U.S. studios are used to creating. Because, like I said, they follow the same formula. So our creativity here is a little burnt out. So let's... Let's stop trying to remake and recreate or, you know, reboot or whatever. As I said, in like the last episode or something, like we are standing in the middle of Reboot City. Mm-hmm. Please let us out. <laughs> Free us now. So, yeah, I don't want to see like an American version of Train to Be Sound. It's going to be like, like Train to. Train to. What? Metro to Brooklyn or something. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you're definitely not wrong because there have been Greyhound you know, really... Houston. <laughs> there have been some really great um, movies, you know, made in other countries and have like really captivated audiences like everywhere. And then, you know, somebody, like you said, in Western media tries to remake it and it just doesn't have the same flair. So I would I would definitely be disappointed. I would not be watching a remake of any sorts if they do end up doing like a second one and they do like a continuation with these characters um, or whoever's left. Don't depress me. You know, I think that would be that would be interesting, but I would just hate for it to be changed at all like if they did a continuation fine but i would hate for someone to like remake it like you said we're in remake city we need to be let out (laughs) i really don't want to see a remake 
of anything anymore. So that's mm-hmm. not possible. And, and yeah, train of Busan was it was really intense, especially in the end. Like it's stress. It's one of those movies where like you know where things get tense and you have to hold your breath. Yeah. As if you were there, like hoping that like someone doesn't make the wrong move. Like that wasn't a movie that you were talking about um, when you said like zombie movies that like aren't like too over the top with the gore. That's one of them that really wasn't over the top with the gore or like really heavy with you know unnecessary special effects. It was it was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they could have done a little more, but it's whatever. It's whatever. <laughs> um, but for the most part, you know, it was pretty good. The uh, little girl in the movie, she. Mm-hmm. I think from the beginning of the movie, I knew her dad was not going to make it. It's just the fact that they put like a dad and a daughter on a train full of zombies. And then you, you know, in the end, he's not going to make it. They're not going to kill the kid off. They're not going to kill the kid off. However, they are going to emotionally devastate this little girl. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what they did. So, yeah, I, I definitely cried. I ugly cried last night. Uh, at t- three o'clock in the morning. Don't watch Train to Busan, guys. <laughs> <laughs> or if you do, just make sure you have a lot of tissues. <laughs> and a very strong emotional barrier and yeah. willpower to remind yourself that, <laughs> oh, it's just a movie. It's just a movie. These are just characters. Don't worry. It's just a movie. <laughs> I try to tell myself that, but it does not work. So, so a movie that I watched and actually enjoyed um, oh. was called Greenland, and it came out last year, starring Gerard Butler. Um, and I watched it, I think, earlier this year, and then I rewatched it over the weekend. Um, because it was on TV and it gets played a lot on HBO now, which is nice though, because I had rented it the first time. Um, and then a few months later found out that it was coming to HBO and I was like, oh, well, I could have just waited, but that's okay. Um, but I have seen this quite a few times and I really enjoyed it actually. Um, like I was saying before, like I'm not huge into like disaster movies in general but like there's like a few exceptions i'll still watch them if they're kind of like cringy i like to kind of laugh at them if there's like yeah yeah like if there's one that's like just absolutely terrible dialogue and there's another one that's like in my head that i will like talk about um but with greenland there wasn't any of that it was really solid i'm pretty sure it has a 78 percent on rotten tomatoes So it's like a really good uh, disaster movie. And so Gerard Butler plays um, a construction worker named John Garrity. And it's important that he's a construction worker because that comes back like a little bit later in the movie. Um, And he... he, Like city or something? (laughs) Well, kind Um, of. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So he and his wife and son... um, are getting ready to like host a watch party for this comet that is supposed to safely pass earth. And he's like, 
one of the early scenes is like he's at a grocery store and his phone rings and it's like a number he doesn't recognize and he picks it up and they're like hello this is the government we're asking like john garrity and you know nathan garrity and allison garrity because that's the family's names you know report to this air force base at 9 p.m or blah 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 and he's like oh this isn't this is a scam this isn't real um and his wife is at home like drying her hair so it comes across their tv and she missed it so they have the neighbors over and you know getting ready to watch this um you know comet safely pass earth and they've got news helicopters and they've you know everything's happening and the comet doesn't pass it hits Florida and it just slams right into like the Florida panhandle and part of Georgia and the family lives in Atlanta. So there's this scene where like, you know, they see news coverage and they're like, Oh my God, what's happening. And he goes outside and this, it's like dead silent. And then all of a sudden this giant burst just comes and like breaks all the windows and all the car alarms start going off and that was like one of the best parts of the movie was like the special effects was really really good florida (laughs) destroy florida destroy florida (laughs) (laughs) um so like the neighbors are freaking out because and this is still like early on in the movie and the neighbors are freaking out because the his phone's ringing again And it's going off on the TV and the recorded voice says, you know, this is the United States government. We're asking John, Alan, Garrity, Nathan, Beckett, Garrity, Allison, Rose, Garrity to report to blah, 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 Air Force Base at this time. And like, just a quick side note, every time I think of this movie, (laughs) every time I think of this movie, that same scene keeps playing and I will find myself quoting just that one part all the time like where the voice comes on and he's like i'm asking for john allen garrity i will do that at random times during the day i just want to put that out there (laughs) but so basically the neighbors are freaking out as to why they haven't gotten the alarm uh alert and only he has turns out that because he's a construction worker him and his family were selected um because he is going to help rebuild left um after this comet hits earth because they got intelligence that said it's actually not going to pass it's going to hit earth and everything's going to be destroyed and so the most of the movie centers around them trying to get to shelter in greenland there's like a special comet shelter in greenland and most of the movie revolves around him and his wife and child trying to get on the plane to get safely to greenland but of course it can't it can't work like lickety split like that. So there's all these things that happen to them as they're trying to board. Um, you know, he, they try to get on the plane and his son has um, diabetes and he, um, the son left uh, the medicine in the car. And so John goes back to get it. Um, and then, Allison and Nathan, the wife and child, are told that they can't board the plane because he has a chronic illness. So that sends them into like a spiral. So, you know, there are a lot of explosions in this movie aside from the comet. Like when John went back to get um, insulin for his son, 
and he can't find his son and wife because they were taken away because they are not able to board the plane. Um, he actually gets on the plane with the insulin and another passenger says, you know, how are you able to get on here with that? And he says, oh, this is my son's. And he says, my daughter was turned away or my child was turned away because she has asthma or something like that. And he was like, oh my God, that's where they went because he couldn't find them on the plane. So there's a little bit of like a ruckus and he tries to um, get off the plane. Um, And the fences that are outside become breached with crowds who are trying to rush on because they want to get to safety. Um, Then there was a fuel hose that was leaking and it explodes and a bunch of the planes just like go up in flames. So the people on those planes didn't make it to Greenland. Um, And, you know, there's another scene where the family is trying to get to Allison's dad who lives in Kentucky. And like I said, they're in Atlanta, so it's not too, too far. Um, And, you know, there's, there's, they get separated and reunited and separated. And it's, it's such a good movie because it's not so much also focused on the comet itself because yes, they are, trying to survive this and they're trying to get to safety and that's like the end game but you know it was released right at the time of um covid and it was just it was like a i've heard a lot of people use that as an example because it was like you know this kind of weaved in so many feelings that everybody was going through and it was also like a family drama disaster movie it had like an emotional feel it had you know it had all all different kinds of vibes to it so i think that's also why it has like a um a higher um score than certain other movies is because they actually were able to put like an emotional factor into it and it it was just it was really good i i'm i'm happy to say that this is like one disaster movie that I found super interesting and enjoyable. So I would definitely recommend Greenland. It's pretty much available everywhere. So it's, it's really good. Funny enough, I've actually watched a movie with Gerard Butler. (laughs) Whoops. I actually watched a movie with Gerard Butler in it. Um, called Geostorm. Uh, I from saw 2017, that too. I think. Mm-hmm. I've seen that. I actually watched that while I was looking for Greenland because I thought it was the same thing and I got confused. But I actually, I didn't really like Geostorm. What did you think of it? I have mixed feelings. I liked mm-hmm. it, but there was also a chunk of it where I was just like, yo, this is whack what so yeah do i think that it deserved the 16 percent that it got no i think that you know come on at least like a like that's that's just that's way too low that's messed up but uh funny thing that happened in that movie um so honestly i thought that his brother uh his so the younger brother, I forgot his name, who was dating the Secret Service lady, 
I honestly thought yes. that she was going to be in on the the whole gist. But I was wrong. It was like her co-workers guy, the other Secret Service agent who was, you know, one at fault. Or... My thing is, is this whole movie, the plot was, oh, so they have this um, satellite that they use to control the weather, essentially. Um that's to stop major storms from happening. And oh, so they can control the weather. And this guy who's a Secret Service agent, he's gonna use that machine to kill the president and you know the cabinet so he can take the throne. That's that's the whole plot. That's all y'all that's, that's the best y'all kind of came up with. This guy just epic villain origin story. I want to be president, so I'm gonna kill everybody with the with the weather. You can't say it was me, um, even though everybody knows that this machine exists. Everybody knows this satellite exists. I think what really was you know devastating in that movie was the fact that the guy, um, Gerard Butler's character had a twelve or thirteen year old daughter who he promised that he was going to come back. That's mm-hmm. how I knew that he was going to survive in the end, because they made it seem like he was going to die. And I knew he was going to survive. And I honestly thought that it was going to be like one of those scenes where like, you know, his daughter's just like, oh, no, he has to come back. He said he, he promised he'll come back. And then, you know, he comes back and he's just like, huh, didn't I say I promised I'd be back? I thought it was gonna be like some stupid corny scene like that. I was I was off a little bit though. He did she did say that and he did live. And from that moment on, like whenever you promised, it was like, you know, I'm keeping my word as to not him being flaky and spacey mm-hmm. like he was. But for a while it kind of wasn't even like a disaster movie. There wasn't really too many action sequences. So it was mostly like a behind the scenes of the disaster. Yeah. Also, and I think- it had um cannot think of the guy's name that plays Klaus in the Umbrella Academy. Did not know that he was British. Yeah, um, isn't that isn't that funny when that happens? <laughs> yes. It's yeah, <laughs> I did not know that he was British, and also he was a part of the, you know, the bad guys. I kind of got that vibe from him just because he sounded irritating. So mm-hmm. maybe it was the accent, maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was intentional. We will never know, because I'm not going to react to unless I do. Um, but yeah, a movie that like I gotta like take a breath um a movie that I just have a really long history with is the 2009 disaster film 2012 (laughs) and anybody who knows me that's listening to this you all know this you all knew this was coming and it's time (laughs) to let everyone else know so where to begin? Um, <laughs> no, so this movie 
if if there was a movie that could be like my arch nemesis, I feel like it would be this movie. Um, I have strong words. Yeah, I have very strong feelings. And I I just want to point out that I have absolutely nothing against the cast or the writers, whoever made this. I mean, the cast is pretty great. There's a lot of great actors in it. Um, John Cusack, Woody Harrelson, Amanda Peet. There's like a lot of really great actors and actresses in it. But this movie has followed me since it came out. So since 2009, and I just can't take it anymore. It is on TV once a day, every day, for the, the past seven years. Like, it, like it's followed me since it came out in 2009, because I remember seeing trailers for it. I remember seeing commercials, seeing it at the movies, whatever. But the past seven years, it has followed me. It is on all the time. And, I mean, this started back with... Um, my late grandfather who always used to make a point to tell me that it was on TV and it became (laughs) sort of a running joke until I just couldn't take it anymore. And like, I just cannot watch this movie, but you know, what he used to do is like, he would text me. Like if I was out, he would say, Oh, your favorite movies on 2012 or he'd DVR it. And he'd have it playing. Like when I walked in to see him or something like it it really became a running joke. But so basically this movie is based on the, you know, Mayan calendar assumption that the world was supposed to end uh, yes. in December of 2012. Another Y2K moment. Yes. And that always freaked me out. I remember staying up. Um, I remember that crying night. my eyes out, finding yeah. out that that was going to happen. <laughs> my dad just looked at me. Like, that was insane. <laughs> oh, I I, was, I feel you. <laughs> I was like 10, 11 years old, and I'm like, oh, the world's gonna end. I'm I'm scared. I'm I'm ter- dude, I'm peeing my pants right now. I'm scared. <laughs> so I'm just like sitting here bawling my eyes out. I'm like, well, what am I supposed to do? I remember, like, st- I stayed up, and I remember, I can clearly remember I was sitting, like, in my bed, and I was looking at my alarm clock, and I can still see, like, the bright green numbers, and I was just waiting for it to hit 12, you know, midnight, and I was just like, oh, my God, like, what, what, what now? Like, what's happening? Mm-hmm. And sure enough, it was, like, midnight, and I was like, okay, I'll give it another minute. Okay, I'll give it another minute. I was like, all right, well, I'm going to sleep now. Cause like this was just this is not how the night was supposed to go. <laughs> if I wake up. Oh well. In retrospect, it, it's a very idiotic thing to think. But I'm like, oh, the Mayan calendar ends, so they must know something that we don't. Um Yeah. No, dude, they just decided not to have just they just decided to stop there. They're like, you know what? Yeah. That's that's enough dates for now, don't you think? Yep. <laughs> and they just never pick back up in there. That's literally all it was. And we were over here like, dude, like, a meteor's gonna like wipe out the whole planet. Uh, the Yellowstone National Park's gonna explode and we're gonna die. <laughs> the San Andreas fault line's gonna just 
ruptured in California is just gonna explode. You know, everything was everything was gonna happen at once, and we were just gonna die, explode, and yeah. you know, crazy. We're Absolutely still nuts. Still kicking, but, baby. But the movie, why do why do you hate it so much? Yeah. So basically, the movie is based off of the assumption that the Mayan calendar, you know, the world is supposed to end in 2012, and the movie starts out in like present day. It starts out in 2009, um, because it came out in 2009, so it like starts in 2009, and it's a geologist that um goes to India and learns about a solar flare. Um, and he, you know, gives this information to the White House and, you know, then these, these years go by, um, and, you know, within those years, it just briefly shows, you know, world leaders who knew in advance secret things that they were, um, planning to do and expensive art that was being moved and just like, sort of like contingency plans that were being put into place to, if this really happens. Um, so then it flashes forward to 2012 the movie itself is centered around Jackson Curtis, who is John Cusack's character, and he's a struggling science fiction writer based in California. And I just want to note that I haven't seen this movie for probably nine months, maybe a year, <laughs> but I can tell you like scene by scene if I wanted to, because that's how much it is drilled into my brain. Um, <laughs> no, no, it's not so, necessary. We got it. <laughs> um, so, and like you had just mentioned, um, like Yellowstone, there's a scene where the military is seen evacuating Yellowstone, and uh, Woody Harrelson's character is a sort of like fringe conspiracy theorist radio show host named Charlie Frost, and I name. kind of forget somehow. Like they just sort of befriend each other, and um, you know, he's telling him about, oh, I'm hosting a radio show the night that the world is supposed to end, and so the military is um, after the military evacuates Yellowstone, which is where he was broadcasting from. He starts telling Jackson like his his theories about the polar shift and the calendar, and how all of this is coming around to basically, oh, the world's going to end on this date, and this is why I think that. Um, and the whole movie is basically, it's sort of like Greenland, where they're just trying to get to safety. And yes, they do end up getting to safety, and there are some people who die along the way, because like that's what happens when you're like, you know, earthquakes just keep happening. And this is taking place in California, so you see like these massive earthquakes and these houses that are there, you know, one second they're there, the next second they're gone. They're just flat and disappeared, you know, and the 2012 has like, I think a 38% on Rotten Tomatoes. It's around that. Um, and I, maybe it should be lower. I don't know. That's just me. But one thing that a lot of people have said and that I can agree with is that, um, the visual effects in the movie are superb. Like they are really good. They really look like there are just houses that are gone and, you know, there's roads and bridges that are just falling in and it's the visuals are really great, but that does not excuse 
just dialogue and continuity things and just things that generally made me upset. So like in addition to this movie following me around and also it not having great reviews, the entire rest of my family loves this movie. So when it's on TV, everybody's watching it. And I just sit there and I'm just like, you know and we've had our discussions and we've you know we've had our discussions about this and they try to help me change my mind look at it from a different point of view but i am just set in my ways that this movie is so just it's just bad to me i'm sorry like i'm sorry that i feel that way i cannot help it it has followed me for too long and I just don't find it appealing. And it literally drives me insane. And another movie that is, I feel the same way about is The Sum of All Fears from like 94 or like 97. I'm pretty sure it's a Ben Affleck movie. And it's basically about like a nuclear bomb sort of end of the world thing. That also follows me around because if 2012 isn't on, The Sum of All Fears is on. And I will scream. And I was on Netflix about two months ago. And it said, recommended for Becca, 2012. And then like seven movies later, seven movies down the line, it was the sum of all fears. And I was like, you know what? I'm canceling my Netflix subscription. I don't want this anymore. (laughs) sent a very long, angry email. Right? (laughs) Yeah, that's like, it's just... Sometimes I have no words as to why 2012 bothers me so much. It feels nice to finally get it off my chest and talk about it. And once again, I apologize to anyone out there, including my family, who, for some unknown reason, absolutely loves this movie. I just cannot vibe with it. I'm sorry. Um, And nothing will change my mind. It's just, you know... If you ever want to know what I'm doing, you can bet I'm not watching 2012. I should put that like in my Twitter bio. Like you can catch me not watching 2012. So before I kind of like lose my breath and maybe like pop a blood vessel, I'm going to calm myself down. Um, (laughs) But in in this discussion, one of the movies that used to to really bother me, but are you going to watch it? Yes. Oh, my God. I'll let Go you know what I think. Okay. I, hey. Why, keep... like, why she, like, turns out that I, like, love this movie. It's like, oh, it's so good. And then you're just like, I, I hate you. This show's canceled. <laughs> <laughs> Blocked on every social media. <laughs> well, I think maybe, like, you know, I, it hasn't followed you around like it has me. So, like. You know, I don't think there's probably anyone else out there who might feel the same as me because it's just been in my life for so long and I just can't do it anymore. But, like, I'm sure that you would probably notice some of the parts that, like, bug me. And it's just, it just bugs me. It's just that, that. But a movie that I was thinking of that also used to really bug me like I used to hate it but now I kind of like it um is The Happening from M. Night Shyamalan it came out in 2008 and it's you know a thriller 
uh, disaster type movie. And I think the reason why, honestly, my mind like changed about it was because I didn't realize that at the time, like the first time I had watched it, Jeremy Strong from Succession was in it. So then after I watched <laughs> Succession why. and I went back and yeah, I went back and rewatched it and I was like, okay, I like this movie now because Mr. Kendall Roy Kendall. is in it. <laughs> But it's um, it came out in 2008. It's with uh, Mark Wahlberg and Zoe Deschanel, among some other really great um, stars. And actually, you know what? Alan Ruck plays a small part in it as well. Connor Roy. So there's like a little Roy family reunion, <laughs> even though that was before Succession. But still, anybody Either. watches it. Yeah, right? Either. Foreshadowing. Um, but basically... This movie is pretty creepy, and it's about a gust of wind that makes you want to kill yourself. So The Happening has an 18% on Rotten Tomatoes, and there is nothing, like, redeemable about it. Like, if if you, you know, if, if I take away, like, me being biased towards Jeremy Strong, there is nothing <laughs> really there. Um, the dialogue is not great. Um, it's, I feel like it's just kind of sloppy, honestly, (laughs) like some of the cuts and the edits aren't great. And the, and normally like, I love M. Night Shyamalan movies. I've seen like most of his like filmography, like he's a really great movie guy, but this one is just not hitting right. And I mean, it's kind of. It's kind of like a meme about how much people really don't like it. And I feel like the Rotten Tomatoes score also illustrates that. Um, but, I mean, I would recommend it because there's parts in it that just make me laugh. Like, when they're trying to get away from the wind and it's like this, you know, it's it's Mark Wahlberg and Zoe Deschanel. And I can't remember if they're married, but they're a couple. Um, if they're just dating or married, I can't remember. Um, but... I'm pretty sure Mark Wahlberg's a teacher in the movie and it, one of his colleagues, you know, dies and he is like, he takes his daughter with him just with groups of people trying to find safety. And they go into like this model home and they're all like sitting at the dinner table, but it's all like fake food and stuff on the table because it's a model home. And you see him like he's in conversation and he's really getting into it. And you see him pick up the glass of wine and try to drink it. And it's not real. And then he just like stares at it for a minute. And then it like cuts to the next thing. And it's like, what is this movie? It's really an experience. So. Again, (laughs) I'll have to check it out. Because. Yeah, definitely. I I recommend that more than 2012. Because it's it's just funnier to me. Yeah, it's it's just it's. I mean, it's it's not. (laughs) It's not really good to say that it's a funny movie because it's a very serious and like scary subject. But like I said, the dialogue and some of the parts of the movie just don't make it seem like how humans interact. And like there's a part in it where Jeremy Strong's character is like a military guy and he won't say like, you know, like Jesus or something like that. He goes, cheese and crackers. And it's like uh, what? I love when movies go out of their way to like not curse. And it's like that's yeah, I know. a little. I guess that you're trying to like achieve like a certain rating by keeping the language yeah. PG enough, but 
oh my god nobody says that i know and now like every time i watch succession i just see him going cheese and crackers that's it <laughs> but yeah i definitely recommend that it's more enjoyable to me than like 2012 because 2012 i'll watch just... 2012 first i'm gonna watch oh 2012 first okay one movie that i saw that was like really corny and it wasn't really too much like a disaster movie as much as it was like a pre-disaster movie was um knowing the Nick movie with, with Nicolas Cage and Rose Byrne in it. Yep. I've heard of that. Yep. A movie about um it's called The Knowing or no it's just it's called Knowing and it's about a girl and she'd be knowing stuff. The end <laughs> <laughs> no but <laughs> I just wanted to make that joke. Um, so basically, it's just this movie about this girl. And well, it starts off about this girl. It's um, in like the 50s or 60s. And they're in school. They're making this like time capsule. And this girl, she um, like is hearing voices in her head. And they're whispering things to her. And she's writing them down on a paper that's going to go in the time capsule and on the time i mean on the sheet of paper it's a bunch of dates and like death tolls so it's just like a date and then like a significant disaster a date that had a significant disaster on it and then like right next to it with like the death count from said disaster Mm -hmm. and then 50 years in the future this guy nicholas cage he goes to his son's school and they dig up the uh, the time cap the time capsule because that's when it was scheduled to, and his son gets the sheet of paper with the dates on it. Everybody else got like pictures of like ah oh, flying cars and like robots and whatnot. He just got like a bunch of neighbors and he's just like ah oh, this is this is garbage. He takes it home. His dad sees it. He like kind of looks at it and deciphers it. Mind you, his dad is a is a professor and he um you know he deciphers this letter and he sees he realizes that they are dates and then he kind of gets wrapped up in like the numbers he like oh what do they mean so mm-hmm. he realizes that um that it has everything from like longitude and latitude um locations the death toll and also the date when he realizes that one of the dates on the paper is upcoming in like a day or two he tries to go you know stop it but he can't stop it and then he realizes that one of them is like some grand disaster that's gonna wipe out the whole planet. But his son and he tries to find the lady who wrote it, but she died. So he tries to contact her daughter. There's a grown woman with a daughter who's the same age as his son. Their kids, mind you, they're being followed by these whisper people who only his son can hear. And basically, that's where, you know, the little girl from before was getting this information from about what to write down. So, yeah. Um, Turns out that they're, like, aliens or whatever who was telling these people, like, you know, oh, there's a disaster coming to get them to kind of go to salvation or whatever, but only the kids went. And what I mean by pre-disasters, like, things happen in the movie. Like, there's a plane crash and then, like, a train crash of all things, to um, be disastering. Mm-hmm. That happens. But I think it was like a solar flare or something in the end that kind of go supposed to pipe up the whole planet. 
So in the end, his son and the girl gets taken by these aliens because only the ones who heard the call can go with them and only the kids heard it. So they go. This guy, he kind of just drives home and he's like, okay, well, whatever. So he goes to see his parents who he hasn't spoken to in years. He just kind of sits with them and they hug and they just die. Oh, wow. Yeah. I spent what a, a movie. Lot of time ex- <laughs> I spent a lot of time explaining that. And that was really hard for me because I don't know how to explain things. <laughs> so, yeah. No, I mean, that was, wow. That yeah. was knowing. That was knowing. Um, it was, it was really weird because Lucinda, that was the girl's name. Her daughter, um, who was played by Rose Byrne. Her character dies mm-hmm. in a car accident before all of this even goes down because she's like their kids get like kidnapped by the whisper people, as the kids call them. Mm-hmm. She's just like, Oh no. What? No. So she steals somebody else's car at the gas station where they were. And she kind of chases them. And then like, you know, she's obviously, you know, trying to get her kids, so she's not gonna stop at red lights. So she gets hit by a truck and dies in the ambulance. Oh wow. And that was the end of her. Wow, that's like a really interesting movie, though. I know that was, certain Nicolas Cage bad. movies. A lot of them. I know. I was going to say certain like Nicolas Cage movies are like synonymous with low ratings. Like I remember they did a. I think um, he just does things a for remake. fun. Yeah, like they did a remake of the um, one of the Left Behind movies, like from the late 90s. And. His version of it from like 2016, maybe 2015, has 1% on Rotten Tomatoes. It's one of like the lowest <laughs> rated movies. We'll have to talk about that one day. Yeah. I mean, I think the Left Behind like trilogies, I think that is like a very religious, like heavy topic, but it's also like apocalypse. So it could also fit into like disaster, but unfortunately, I've never seen them. I'm not really like too well versed in those movies i just know that it's like one of the lowest um nicholas cage movies as well as the like, like one of the lowest movies on um rotten tomatoes and i think like the original left behind um series has like some like a, an okay rating i think it might be like above 50 so it's definitely a shock to like anyone trying to like look up that movie to see like oh my god the remake has a one percent like what went wrong just to let you you guys know to stop touching old movies leave it alone just let it go have you seen the exactly uh sequel to independence day you know what i did actually i saw it uh when it came out I didn't like it. Yes, much. it was 2016, I think. I, mm-hmm. I remember um, seeing that when it came out. It was a Resurgence. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't care for it too much. And I mean, a lot of people thought the same thing because it didn't mm-hmm. really do as well and wasn't cared about as much as the original was, which I understand because I just find it funny. They brought back some of the original cast members and um, like original characters and stuff. Which was a little unnecessary. I just feel like the whole movie was dumb. So basically the plot of the movie was like, oh, those aliens that, you know, we defeated 20 years ago, they're back. And they want the Earth's yummy sweet nectar. Give us the molten core for our electronics or whatever. 
So they're like pretty much drilling for lava or whatever. And they're like, no, it's going to destroy our, like our ecosystems or whatever. They ended up like accidentally discovering or accidentally almost starting a war with, you know, another alien species because they just decided to start firing first instead of waiting out and seeing what was going to happen, which I understand, like, you know, you guys almost got invaded by aliens before. I would definitely shoot first and ask questions later as well. However, also, you never know. So just give it a second. Just give it a second. Mm-hmm. See if they act first. No signs of violence, so why shoot? But whatever. I felt a little too... It was weird. They definitely could have kept some of the same cast members. Like, um, the president's daughter was recasted for whatever reason, even though her role was not that big. She was a pilot in this movie, same as her dad was in the original one, doubling as president and fighter pilot. But I feel like they definitely could have kept Mae Whitman as as the president's daughter. Um, I feel like they brought back the Vika Fox's character, only to kill her off 30 seconds into showing her. Yeah, and that was so strange. That was, like, one of the... Because that was, like, a little bit... Um, that was, like, a little earlier in the film, correct? Because it has been a while since I saw it. Uh-huh. Yeah, it was. it was strange because, to me, I remember there was a lot of hype around it. Um, And I was excited because, you know, I grew up knowing that Independence Day, although we were discussing how it doesn't have, like, great reviews when it comes to Rotten Tomatoes, it is sort of like just a classic 90s film. Like, I have never met someone who hasn't seen it. So, you know, it's just universally loved. Um, And I just remember there was a lot of hype around, you know, them coming back, which characters were coming back, which uh, original cast members. and, you know, it's like they kind of just took it and, like, put it on its head and just, like, did a completely mm. different thing. And I think it also goes once to again. the point that we were saying earlier. I was going to say, saying, once again, do not make any more remakes. remakes. Stop yes. making remakes. <laughs> Maybe we should, like, rename our podcast to just be Stop Making Remakes to get the point across. Because <laughs> all of our everything we're talking episodes about always lead back to this because it's. Yeah, it's such a valid point. Like, I don't understand. Get creative. Do something original. Like, it, we're gonna have you to know, do you... a movie. We're gonna do a couple episodes on like unnecessary sequels and reboots. Because mm. yeah. I have a, I have quite the list. Yeah, I know my dad has a couple of movies where he's just like, if they touch this movie, I swear to God, I'm gonna go crazy. I'm gonna go berserk. Yeah. They better not. <laughs> of course, he didn't say that. Who who would use the word berserk? But. <laughs> You get, you get, you're catching my drift. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's very adamant on them not remaking a couple of movies, and I agree. Yeah, and I'm sure, like, once I think about it, like, you know, there's a few movies that I don't ever want to be touched. Um, When it comes to, like, disaster movies, I can't honestly think of any because, like I said, I'm not, like, the biggest fan of disaster movies however they're gonna remake any disaster movies considering a lot of them are low rated so why would they try to yeah exactly there's no there's no redemption path for any of these 
<laughs> but honestly, I mean, it was fun to go back and rewatch some of the ones that I haven't seen in a long time. Like, um, you know, Greenland, I hadn't seen since it came out. Um, and I kind of watched it a couple times after I rented it. Um, and The Happening as well. I just watched that a few weeks ago because it was on um, HBO. And that's always just, like I was saying, that's just a fun movie because it's, it's not very, it's got a lot of like, I don't know why I am equating like a comedy film to this, but like it it is not very serious to me. Like it does, you know, there are parts that can be seen as like, quite confusing and weird so I can totally understand why it has an 18% but honestly in preparation for our episode this was a lot of fun to go back and like rewatch some and mm-hmm. some of the ones that you mentioned as well especially um, Train to Busan I know that was like a really really popular one I had completely forgotten about that one more movie that I wanted to talk about I know this may be a bit of a controversial topic in light of recent Taylor Swift news <laughs> Go on. I think I know where you're going with it. The Day After Tomorrow, which stars Jake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> okay, yes. Trigger warning, That's a good Jake movie. Gyllenhaal mentioned. <laughs> Trigger warning, yes. <laughs> um, no, that I actually enjoyed enjoy that movie. Um, it Rick kind of freaked me out me. when I was younger yeah. and I saw it. I, mean, I didn't like the like the part where everything froze. Oh. That was just weird to me. I remember being like home alone watching that movie and um like most of the final destination movies just in one sitting. Definitely messed me up for for a minute. Um mm. was very paranoid about a lot of things after that. So uh pro tip, don't do that. Do not do that. <laughs> but it definitely was a little freaky because like ew. As I was saying earlier about, uh, you know, disaster, different types of disaster movies, how, you know, I would prefer like the aliens or zombies or whatever, because it's an objective that you can like defeat. It's something that you can defeat rather than having to just survive against the elements. Because there's nothing that you can really do. You can't control the weather unless it's Geostorm. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, I just. (laughs) That was just very freaky. Um, yeah. I w- did not pay attention to the ending, so I don't even remember like how it ended. I just... That was the slowest one out of all the movies that I recapped over because it... So I didn't really pay attention. I had too low of an attention span. It just was a little slow. Yeah. Things happened when it happened, and it didn't last very long. Those, those action scenes didn't really, like last very long, so they just kind of... We're just in this old school and freezing until the ending. Yeah, and I I understand completely what you mean. I hadn't I haven't watched it for at least maybe two, three years because it usually gets played on TV quite often. And I can clearly remember like one of the scenes towards the early part of the movie where like they're trying to either get to a library or this building or maybe it was a tall Mm -hmm. school or something or maybe it was just like the empire state building like it was just a tall building if it was new york i'm 
the school because they were on this class trip for like yeah. debate or something. Yeah, and I just remember I remember all this water just like coming everywhere and seeing them like try to get to the you know higher part of the building, higher ground, and that just always freaks me out. Like I guess in life I have a fear of heights and I have a fear of too much water. Don't get me wrong. It's good to drink, you know, however many glasses of water they say to drink every day. But, like, if there's rushing water coming at me, I'm not a beach person. I don't like the beach. Like, I'm, no, I don't like water that shouldn't be where it shouldn't be. I just, that always, like, freaked me out. And I think that goes to, like, what I was saying before about weather movies. You, you know, like it here then. Thankfully, Our like, I. Floods every year. Yeah, like, you know, thankfully, I've never had to deal with any kind of, like, flooding of any kind, knock on wood. You know, we've come close and, you know, living where I do, there's hurricanes and things like that. But, you know, just freestanding water freaks me out. And there are a lot of areas um, I know that get flooded terribly. Um, and, you know, we, I've known people who've, you know, been impacted really bad, like family and friends with flooding. Um, but just freestanding water, I just don't like it. Like I said, I'm not a beach person. I don't like the idea of, like, water just coming at you and, like, it doesn't end. Like, I like swimming, like, in pools or whatever, but, like, you know, at a beach and there's just like sand and then water and then the water just keeps going. No, thanks. I, I don't like that because, and and it could be because I, you know, have gotten into DVD collections and watched disaster movies, probably too young, (laughs) but you know, I just don't No, I don't like water. And that's all I'll say about that. (laughs) Weather is definitely a scary thing, and I totally understand that, um, which is why they're my least favorite genre or subgenre of disaster movies, because it's just, it's just too, that's too much. It's too much. Yeah. Were there any other movies that you wanted to discuss? Uh, no, actually. I think, um, you know, I said what needed to be said about 2012. And I'm glad that I was able to discuss um, some that I did enjoy, like The Happening, Greenland. Um, San Andreas is a movie that came out, I think, in 2015. Um, That's also sort of weather because it was with The Rock. Um, My uncle. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I I know there's some people out there who are going to get that um, that joke um, because there's like photos of the rock holding me as a baby and I need to find those. Wait, that's not your real uncle? Did you just lie on air? (laughs) My god, I can't believe you right now. (laughs) Um, well, no, I mean, hey, I've called him Uncle Rock since I was a kid, so who knows? (laughs) But no, my, um, I know I've said this before to some friends and stuff, but my mom used to do makeup for the uh, WWE wrestling. And when The Rock was a part of that, um, you know, I met him when I was like really, really little um, up in, you know, New York and everything. And 
it's just been a running joke for years. But San Andreas was another movie that freaked me out because that also had freestanding water and earthquakes. And I don't like earthquakes and I don't like water. Yeah. So that was pretty much the my worst two things coming together. Um, but I mean, the storyline was good. The acting was good. Um, you know, I have really nothing bad to say about it. I haven't watched it for a long time, but it does pop into my head when I think about movies with lots of freestanding water. <laughs> I guess the last one I kind of wanted to ask you about was Cloverfield, but specifically 12, <laughs> excuse me, 10 Cloverfield Lane. Yes, I love that one. I did not realize that, that was Mary Elizabeth Winstead until I rewatched it. Um, I actually caught that movie in theaters with my brother and grandpa. I think I have poor memory. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that movie was a. Uh, it was a little weird because not it. It didn't like happen. Nothing like not too too much happened in the movie outside of like oh. This John Goodman character, he's he's a bit of a nutcase. He's a wacko. He's a he's a nutball. Um, I need to escape. So she escapes and then learns that like everything that he said was a lie. Like, oh, this guy, he's just talking about the apocalypse and whatnot, and it's just literally normal air out here. The air's not contaminated. And then five seconds later, you know, she sees like aliens and whatnot, and then drives to Houston to like. Yeah, I have medical experience now. I have fighting experience now. I just battled a, an old guy and fell out of a car 20 minutes ago. I got this. And just tries to, like, be all badass and stuff. It, it was a little funny. But yeah, it was very different from the first one. Have you watched the, the, the Netflix series, the Cloverfield series? I have not. Me neither. So... That's we won't talk about definitely that. on my list. <laughs> yeah, no, I I enjoyed um, 10 Cloverfield Lane. I remember I caught it on Hulu. I think it was like maybe released on Hulu as part of like a special thing. And um, I thought it was really good. I, I think I enjoyed it a little bit more than the original like Cloverfield movie because the really? Cloverfield was... I feel like they were... They are in the same universe, but they're like two different movies to me. Like the first Cloverfield is like found footage type movie and this is more you know acted out yeah you already know my feelings about the first one yeah i love that movie it's a really good one but like i i said in the halloween episode um terrified me as a kid (laughs) yeah more like for 20 minutes um or for the duration of the film yeah i was really off put by the fact that you know the second one was not a found footage movie, which mm-hmm. I feel like they would have it would have been a bit of an overkill in a way if it was a found footage movie. So I do appreciate that it was a different like approach. But if they they obviously are in the same universe, they've got to be. Um, what makes sense not to? But if they are, it that's that's kind of cool because you know the first one kind of shows you like everything that's going down like as it's going down from you know first person's perspective when it's taking place and then this other one was like in the countryside like you know in an isolated area to where you know maybe if they were Mm -hmm. made closer together 
maybe we could have seen like the original cast and then you know Mary Elizabeth Winstead kind of come together and try to or at least the original cast who didn't die because they yeah. died in the original I say like, they were they were killed so never mind because yeah the first one it made it seem like that was like government footage or government yeah. property so yeah Whereas I like to call it nightmare fuel for my third grade self. <laughs> but yeah, that's really all I wanted to chat about today. Yeah, same here. Like I was saying. Yeah, same here. Like I was saying before, I think that this was such a nice um, sort of throwback episode. It was nice to kind of go over some movies that came out recently and also ones that came out pretty much in the 90s i think we made some mentions to some 90s and 2000s movies as well so it was nice to go back and rewatch these and sort of like relive you know where you were the first time you saw this or the first time you know it might have come out in theaters or something in my and, mom's room terrified for my life <laughs> and i had to relive discussing why i hate 2012 but hopefully this is the last time hopefully everybody will understand now and i can move forward with my life <laughs> i'm putting it all behind me now <laughs> yep exactly thank you guys so much for listening in we had a blast with this one if you guys couldn't tell this was really fun to just chat about some of our favorite movies and if you liked what you heard this was spoilers only you can find us on twitter at spoilers only duh you can also find us on Spotify, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. And now we're officially on iHeartRadio, so check us out on there as well. Inea, do you have any final words today? Uh, look at our link tree for specific places you can find us. For places that we could not remember to list, because that's a lot to remember. And <laughs> I'm not good at that stuff. So... Other than that, no, follow us on Twitter, subscribe, follow us, whatever you're listening to this on. So we hope to catch you again next time, because this was Spoilers Only. Spoilers Only.